0: Welcome to The Design Diaries, a podcast for creatives, freelancers, and business owners looking for candid conversations and real advice. I'm Melissa, self-taught designer, turned freelancer, and now studio owner, here to share my experiences and help you reach your goals. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are following up on a conversation that I had with you all last week talking about legal mistakes that I've been through then legal things that I think you can avoid if you just follow my advice heed my advice and just avoid doing these major things that I really, really regret. If you didn't listen to that one, I would highly recommend listening to that one before this episode. I mean, it's actually not that necessary, but I do think that they go really well and in them together because I'm recording them one day apart. So today we're talking about contract sections that I'd recommend for creatives. And by sections, I just mean just like different points within your contract that I think are really important to look for when you're looking for either a contract template or if you're having one drafted for you. These are the sections that I think you should bring up to your lawyer. Um, any way you spin it, these different sections are ones that I think are often included in contracts or... Oh, I don't know if you can hear the police car coming nearby. No? Okay. Anyway, so I, I say this in every other episode, but I am... In New York City and I don't think there will ever be a time when there's perfect silence so you have to excuse any weird noises that come in the background but um, what I was saying was any way you spin it like contracts will typically have some sort of allusion to these different sections that I'm about to list out however I really encourage you or implore you to get in the nitty-gritty of these sections and we're going to talk about you know like what questions typically arise when we talk about these sections and how you should go about figuring those things out for yourself so first I have to do disclaimer just like I did in the last episode that I am not a lawyer this is not legal advice um, this is just a recommendation I'm a very very loose loose recommendation from like a friend Um, so please don't take this as like formal legal advice um no law degree besides watching Legally Blonde so yeah please don't do that So, let's talk about the first section that I'd always recommend having, and that is termination. What happens if you terminate? What happens if they terminate, they being the client? And then who gets to keep what? I think this is so, so important. Um, It's probably the clause that I use the most often, unfortunately. Um, I typically don't have to use my contract. I will say that. I don't have to use it very often, Um, besides, you know, the actual handing over like legal rights of like me and my business dealing with termination is probably the most commonplace usage i'd say for all of my contracts in the past we're just you know sometimes you book a client and you know pretty soon like this isn't going to work out or you know um the relationship sours or there's just some reason why there needs to be an early termination before you can complete the project that's probably happened to me like five times in the last you know two-ish years that I've been working and that's okay it's no one's fault but in that situation you never want to add to the sort of like awkwardness and minor conflict um, of having to sever that relationship and also you know having to deal with negotiations over like who pays what who owes someone what so having that listed out in your contract and predetermined is huge not only for you know trying to maintain a positive relationship with this client but also it's just a great time saver it just makes things much easier for both of you and it also just alleviates a lot of the headache um and also fees because like you know you don't want it to become like a legal battle where you need to actually hire a lawyer and get them involved when it's something that you could just predetermine um, in your contract beforehand. So termination, you want to make sure that you have some clauses that address both, you know, your rights to terminate, the client's rights to terminate, and then like what happens with regards to money and what happens with regards to the work or like to the intellectual property after that termination um, occurs. So um, you also have to put down not have to but you like you should really put down you know what maybe conditions you know a company like if you terminate if they terminate xyz things so for example I think a really common one in the design community is you know if you know you terminate and the you don't get to keep all the payment then you know you get to keep the the work that is done um some people have it so that they get to keep whatever work was done up to that point. Um, and then, you know, they can use that with another designer or however. Um, I'm personally not in that camp of people. I, you know, don't want my work kind of being like edited, respun, um, by another designer just because at that point it's like, I should be getting credit, but I also shouldn't. So it becomes like a weird thing for me just personally. So, um, <clears throat> just deciding like, with your lawyer and with whoever you're making business decisions with, which one of those things is best for you? Um, I think is the way to go. So termination, that's the first one. Second one um, is attribution, ha, like AKA like giving credit is what I think of it. Um, this one's more simple. Basically, like is it required or is it optional? How often do they need to attribute you know the work to you and in what manner? So it's more straightforward, but it's a great clause to have to make sure that, you know, if you want to be able to put, like, I don't know, website designed by 18N Design, um, then the client can't, like, refuse you or XYZ thing. Obviously, it's, like, more ideal if the client's on board with all of those things, but it's just nice to have, like, a legal claim to be able to um, have your work attributed to you. Um, Similar thing, like, if they get questions on who does their branding, if your contract says that they're, like, legally required to, like, list you, um, then that's also awesome. And You just really make sure that you're able to claim credit for the things that you've done, especially if it's a client or a business that is, like, you know, going to blow up soon or or has a really big social media following. Um, All of those things are, you know, um, privy to giving you some extra traffic and some extra eyes. So I would just recommend having an attribution section and then having the terms of which that, you know, they, they should tag you. So for example, um, I like to have my name listed as like in Design rather than like Alyssa Wynn. And then I also like to have my Instagram handle be included um, if it's via social media. So that's just an example. Okay, next section is intellectual property rights. Um, things to think about. Are you licensing the use of the branding that they have to renew? Is it a one-time licensing? Um, are you technically the owner and then they're just licensors or are you transferring ownership? When does that ownership begin? Um, does that apply to like only the final works? Does it apply to working files? Does it apply to drafts? Does it apply to um, unused concepts? And do you get to retain the right to post your work or do you need permission from them? Um, these are just a couple of questions that definitely come up um, between clients and myself and also a question that I think circulates a lot within the community like what rights do I have so I think it's really important to have a very in-depth knowledge of exactly what your intellectual property rights are what your client's IP rights are and then you know who gets what what happens if xyz happens it's really good to know all of those things and I use a schedule A, um, I'm going to recommend to you on my Instagram account at the Design Diaries podcast, some contract templates that I have absolutely loved in the past couple of months of using them. Um, and in there, it outlines exactly, exactly, exactly every single question that I, um, asked earlier and then answers them really clear, like plainly, clearly and wonderfully. So, um, I, that's what I use, but, having some sort of clarity on like, you know, what relationship do I have to my work? Um, what do I get to retain? And then what am I giving away? Um, well not only like one, make you feel better about like answering your client's questions and feel better about the relationship as a whole, but it will also, um, give you some empowerment or give you some, um, control over, you know, what next steps are like post launch, for example, like if, they are doing things with your work that they shouldn't be doing. You have a legal right and claim to like speak up about it and do something about it rather than, you know, like beating yourself up over the fact that maybe you, you should have done this or you should have known better or X, Y, Z thing. I'm taking all of this from experience, all of these things I have definitely done, um, where I didn't protect my IP. And then You know, I saw my work being used in a way that I really wish it wasn't. And then, you know, I didn't really have any claim at all to say anything about it besides just asking kindly. And, you know, when that didn't work, I kind of had nothing to no ground to stand on and nothing to work with. And so um, having some sort of IP knowledge under your belt in addition to having that legal um, claim is just going to be better for you in the long run, especially the longer that you work in the industry, the more clients that you get, the higher ticket clients that you get, the more important it becomes next section is client responsibilities so i think a lot of people um, forget to have this section and you want to make sure that you are editing or or keeping this responsibility section up to date um, or even having it be specific to different client um, projects And the reason being is you can only do their job if they do theirs. If they don't hold up their end and do what's expected of them, then you can't really do what's expected of you. And in your contract, you're promising to fulfill a service to fulfill your responsibility in order to receive payment. But if you're not including a section on client responsibilities, then, you know, if they drop the ball, but there's nowhere in your contract that says that they have to, and you end up dropping your end because you you know are lacking from them it could be construed as you not fulfilling the contract or you not fulfilling the deal and that is where you could get some murky area with regards to like termination and refunds and whose like quote fault it is for the deal falling through um it might be the clients but really it's yours because you didn't outline legally that they needed to do their responsibilities in order for you to do yours so I always outline the responsibilities very loosely, but like one of them being they need to, um, you know, give feedback within a certain window of time. They need to um, provide like the needed assets and materials and information within a window of time. If they don't, then there's like an X Y Z like courtesy window. And if they exceed that, then there's like a rescheduling fee or a late fee um, or like project delay fees. Um, and th- this just really helps me also. <laughs> like nudge at my clients and be like hey like just so you know you are outside of the courtesy window you know starting tomorrow there will be an xyz fee like please get this done today and it helps a lot in terms of just giving some clients who are you know are, are very understandably bogged down and very very busy just that extra nudge to prioritize you know giving me what I need from them so that way I can get along with my work without necessarily having to like you know do too much force or or verbal assuage. It's easier for me to just be like, hey, just like remember our contract, you know, this happens if you take too long, so I don't want to charge you, so maybe just get on that. Um, And it's just a really great tool that I've had, um, you know, with regards to like client situations and dealing with that. So client responsibilities, include them, write them out, and save yourself a ton of trouble. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about now is fees and payments. Um, This... Is a pretty like redundant category I find um, because there's like a payment reference in almost any contract that I've seen. But the reason why I'm bringing it up now is because there's a couple of little things within the umbrella of fees and payments that I just want you to pay attention to, and that I think that um, some contracts don't have that I think you should be looking out for. So one is late fees. So not just late fees with regards to like late invoices, but also like late like I said in the in the previous one, you know, um, late delivery of information, late delivery of assets. Um, also, you know, if they are um, asking for things out of scope, or they're asking for things like additional work or revisions, like you know, in a, after they've signed the contract, after they've already booked things, you know, what do you get to charge for that? If they ask for something that is you know rushed, or if they need something by an earlier you know delivery date than what you guys agreed on like what happens so just having some parameters on fees like when they're applied when they're not is going to help you a lot whenever again you're having to address the client be like okay i'm i can do this provision but you know per our contract it does cost xyz of money or like you know you have paid this late invoice i um you know don't want to charge you a, a late fee however you know per our contract xyz so it just helps give you a little bit of leverage to get some action um, where you otherwise might have to be, like, more patient or have to just deal with, like, more back and forth. Um, also, having some fees and payments, like, what if they stop paying altogether? Who pays for the collection fees? Who's entitled to legal action? Who pays for those legal fees? That is a huge part of it, too. Um, additionally, if you are planning on using, like, auto pay or you have, like, a payment plan system, putting it in your contract, you know, what happens if they stop you know the payment plan um what do you get to withhold should they like not pay um also you know you can put you could put in there that they legally have to enroll for auto pay and that they cannot cancel those payments they can't dispute the claim and even though people might do it anyways what you get to do is you just screenshot that section of your contract and whenever you um you know, go to your bank or whoever is filing the dispute. You can just literally upload that screenshot of that clause, and the dispute's over, and you'll most likely win, or you'll hopefully win with legal um, and binding written statement that they won't dispute it and that they understand what they're doing. Um, so that would just help you because I've had some disputes in the past in my I've you know uploaded different stuff in my contract, but because it wasn't explicitly said, um, I have had that you know dispute go back and forth for a long time and I have lost one or two of them so um and that, that's just such a big pain in the butt that I really don't want anyone to go through so yeah fees and payments um really thinking about what ever scenario could possibly have under the sun and addressing it in there so those are the the five major things I just want to review them one termination two attribution three intellectual property four, client responsibility, and five, fees and payments. So those are just the major ones that I always recommend, just knowing really well, having those. Um, They're things that fly under the radar or, you know, maybe you aren't given as much thought or focus or detail as I think that they should. So um, take a look at your current contract. If you have one, make sure that all of these things, these questions are being answered or addressed properly. And if not, add those clauses. And if you feel like your contract just doesn't provide for you please check out my post um, for the design diaries podcast and I will have a link to the contract templates that I love and that I use and I really recommend so that's it for this episode hopefully um all of this is just hypothetical speak that i hope none of you are actually having situations where you need some legal advice or you need some you know contract um improvements but better safe than sorry let me know if you have any questions again not a lawyer so i'll try and do my best but feel free to dm me or email me if anything comes up and thanks so much for listening um if you have Um, Any more episode ideas, please DM those to me as well. Um, This was actually an idea DM'd to me by one of you, so thank you for that. And also, while I have you here, if you are enjoying the podcast, please, please feel free to leave me a review on either Apple Podcasts or I think Spotify also has them now. And if you don't want to do that, you can also just DM me um, on the podcast Instagram with your review, and I can use that as well. Um, But thanks so much for listening, um, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Design Diaries. We'll catch you on the next episode.